Off top, barn owls are monogamous animals, except for about 25% of them. They get separated. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. What up, Charlie? Welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show presented by Allstate. Throw your hands up. We'll be joined by Bill Barnwell shortly to go over all of the big games of this weekend. But before Bill joins us, let's talk about what happened on Sunday night Mm. with the Bengals and the Bills. The Bengals are back. I thought we did it last week. We they when they beat the four dice last week, they were back. They're right? so back. <laughs> I, I don't so you're not surprised by the outcome of this game. I think we all recognize that the Bengals with a healthy Joe Burrow were ascendant and the Bills, despite the fact that Josh Allen has been balling, the Bills are weak in a lot of different places due to injury and also just they never developed a number two receiver. They never really developed a running game. And those things came to bite them tonight. The injuries on defense and even the players who they got back. So, like, uh, Vaughn Miller had an opportunity to stop Joe Mixon at the end of the game to force that fourth down so they get the ball back. He got mixed up by Mixon. That was terrible. I'm sorry. I, I apologize for that. But anyway, the the Bengals... Did not respect that, Jim. <laughs> the Bengals are back. I think later in the show we talk about... Not I think, I know. Later in the show we talk about the best teams in football and mm-hmm. the best teams in the AFC and we kind of circle around one specific team, and it's not the Bengals. And I think we got to accept that despite the fact they got off to a rough start, they always get off to a rough start. The Bengals should be in that conversation as real legitimate best team in football. I think we could look up at the end of the season and just be like, all right, get ready for another AFC championship game that Joe Burrow is going to find himself in. Yeah, Joe Burrow is impressive. Uh what are the big takeaways from this game, I guess, other than the Bengals being back, the the um, the Bills? We've been talking about the Bills kind of circling the drain for a while now. They're not completely out of it, but since they are kind of in the Super Bowl or bust category, it feels like that seems incredibly unlikely. So for the Bengals, this is the T. Higgins breakout game. Yeah, He's really struggled all season. Eight receptions, 110 yards. Um, he had 218 yards coming into this week the first seven first seven games of the season um and for for the bills it's it's the same the same it's being it's past the point of no return on defense and it's the fact that josh allen has to manufacture their entire running game um and it's a problem and i mean and there's nobody opposite yeah i feel like it's a broken record and it was opposite stefan Diggs. Yep. stefan Diggs makes play after play uh and why they do us like that at nbc replay when we obviously wanted to see when he got the two-point conversion and stefan Diggs took out the security guard they wouldn't show us the replay i know i wasn't the only person that was like man let us see see the replay of the security guard getting rolled up on but anyway yeah i, I don't think there's a whole bunch out of this game what happened is what we expected to happen uh, we'd have been surprised if they lost, if the if the Bengals lost, surprised if um, if Josh Allen was able to carry this team. But that I guess that is the one big takeaway is the nail is, or I guess another nail in the Bills' window coffin. I don't know, mixing analogies right here. It does feel like they're closer to the end of this run than the beginning. But as long as they have Josh Allen, it'll be easier to rebuild around him. It's interesting. Before the Bills had their injuries. Um, we thought they were going to be right at the top of the AFC, and we thought the Bengals might be the dangerous floater team in the wild card round. The opposite. The the Buffalo, officially, marking it now. The nobody wants to play them in the first round of the playoff team because you just don't want to deal with that gigantic water buffalo of a quarterback <laughs> running downhill at you. Yeah, and launching passes all over the field. Yeah, they there's a chance that they're like the sixth seed or yeah. s- and, and knock off. Uh, a two seed, right? That's how it is. Or yeah. seven seed versus the two seed. Yeah, six Because it's one by. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no one's going to want to play them, but no one's going to want to play the yeah. Bengals either because they're going to be on their way to potentially AFC championship game. Um, yeah. Good time. Sunday night game was fun. Let's not hold off on the rest of the fun that we had. Let's get to Billy the Barnwell and the rest of the great games of this weekend. All right, and now for the rest of the fun games, we bring in everybody's favorite football man, Bill Bar. Oh, a little shimmy. He gave us a shimmy. Let's go. I like it. All right, Charlie, what do you want to do? 
let's give the people what they want. Let's start. We had several marquee games today, but oh, yeah. one of them had America's team, the Cowboys. So let's start with Cowboys-Eagles. And the game was super exciting. Down the stretch, both teams, after playing really well for a lot of the game, had a had sort of a choke off trying to lose the game back and forth with penalties, yeah. weird plays, foibles down the stretch. But a lot of stories here. Jalen Hurts banged up his knee. Dak played really, really, really well. But the Cowboys came up a yard short three times from the end zone, which sort of defined the end of that game. So for you guys, what was the story coming out of the Eagles win over the Cowboys? Um, it's not fun, and it's hard for me as a 180-pound person to say this, that it comes down to the line play. It felt like the difference yeah. in this game was the offensive line of the Cowboys couldn't hold up against the defensive line of the Eagles. <laughs> and the other side where the Eagles' offensive line was able to hold up. Like the Cowboys got a couple sacks here and there, but they were not uh, debilitating the defensive, or excuse me, the Eagles' offensive line held up. And at no point did the Cowboys' defense make that like pivotal turnover. They created a, a sack fumble but couldn't recover it. There was another fumble that they couldn't recover. It seemed like what it came down to was the winning on the line play from either side. The big boys get all the credit as usual. That's the lesson, right? Recover the fumbles. If you can do that, you're going to win games. Just be smart. Don't bother with the offensive or defensive lines. Just <laughs> spend all day drilling, getting on the ground and recovering those fumbles because that would have turned this game if the Cowboys had recovered that DeAndre Swift fumble mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter where the Eagles ran into each other. Oof. I mean, this felt like a game where like this was the Cowboys chance, right? Like if there was ever going to be a game where the Cowboys beat a healthy version of the Eagles team, not a team without Jalen Hurts, which they beat last year, but if they could beat a healthy version of this Jalen Hurts team, this was the game. Dak was playing out of his mind for three and a half quarters. They were moving the ball up and down the field. They had the perfect game plan. They were attacking the weak spots in this Eagles uh, pass defense at linebacker in the slot at safety. They had all these opportunities to hit big plays. They were marching up and down the field. And then as Charlie said, they got within the five yard line and <laughs> chaos. It started moving soon. It started moving backwards. They were taking sacks. They were coming up a yard short. Dak as good as Dak was in this game. Dak inexplicably stepped out of bounds, scrambling for that, I guess explicable. He yeah, was, was being chased <laughs> down by it. Another I was gonna say, there, there's some, there's some splicking there. I can splick that easily. A, yeah, when Graham is running at your sideline, sometimes you're not okay. paying attention to exactly where the white line is. Okay, but that is Dak's job, and Dak did play a really good game. But I think he would like that step back. I think he would feel like he could get to the the pylon without stepping out of bounds in that scenario. But like Dominique said, it felt like when there was a key moment when someone had to make a play, it was that Eagles defensive line. It was Terrence Steele who struggled Oof. throughout this game, getting beat up by various Eagles pass rushers, created that sack late in the game that pushed the Cowboys back. But this was by, by don't, don't leave any doubts here. The Eagles did not close the door in this game. The team that should have the best four minute offense in football that should have the pass rush to shut down games. They left the door wide open for the Cowboys and they stepped in. They put one foot in, they put like one and a half feet in, and then they decided to walk back out. I would like to read uh, what happened once the Cowboys got to first and goal from the six-yard six line with 27 please. seconds left. Can, can you please read it in dramatic fashion, though? Because this is like a... a, a, yeah, a don't just, yeah, you got you to you put some sauce on it. Don't just give it to us with the boring way. Ball start. Started everything. Yes. yes. Then Dak dropped back and took a sack. Oh. Ooh, right. Then there was an incomple incompletion where he randomly threw it to a Tolbert, not a CD Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, you know, they took a delay a game. That's weird when, you know, there's the game on the line. And then they threw a ball short of the goal line that CD Lamb did not have anyone to pitch to and ended up just a yard short, which is. I got to admit, you weren't prepared for the dramatic reading, and I the failed. reading was not that dramatic. It, it no. was building to a crescendo, and then you just gave up on I it. I lost right? on delay a game. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there was, there's not a lot of Homerian epics where he just goes, that <laughs> got weird halfway through. I'm going to tell you something, though. Accountability plays in the locker room. Hand up. I can do better. On that. <laughs> All right. Fair. Next, next time, we'll give you another that. opportunity. Maybe not today, but at some point, we'll give you another opportunity with some preparation. The Terrence Steele, you said his name, and it made me cringe. 
He's the yeah. right tackle for the okay. Cowboys for this game, and he he struggled, particularly at the end of the game, giving up pressure to Dak. It sucks because uh, Dak was playing so well, and this felt like the ten- he's been playing really well through the course of the last several games. And the big thing about Mike McCarthy taking over the offense, it's been a, a hoax. It's been a fraud. <laughs> They started this season, they were like, hey, we're going to get rid of Kellen Moore because he throws too much, and he asked Dak to do too much. We're going to run the ball. We're going to do short, manageable stuff and and protect Dak and take the pressure off him. They threw all that out the window, and it's just like, <laughs> get on his back. He doesn't have a running game. He's not consistently well protected, and he at least he has CeeDee Lamb and, and Brandon Cooks, which are guys that I think he can rely on. I was actually, actually going to say that, though. Isn't this made the offense better and more exciting over the last three weeks that they're like, throw away the running game yeah. and let that cook. I guess. So then why run off? I mean, why run off Kellen Moore? Cause this is what he was doing last year. That'd be a fall guy. Classic yeah, fall guy situation. Whatever. That That's what is upsetting about this is that it sort of feels like everybody got what they wanted. Not with the Kellen Moore thing, but with getting rid of Ezekiel Elliott, everybody was like, yeah, I gotta get more Tony Pollard in here. Look how efficient he is. Mm-hmm. Look at his numbers. He's fast. And now Tony Pollard's the lead back and, ain't working like they do not have a running game it's been all on Dak's shoulders week after week after week and we saw in this game it wasn't like Dak was getting back in the pocket getting to the back of his drop and hitting open guys like he had to create out of the structure of this offense so much of this game was Dak scrambling and throwing on the run for big gains and I think it's credit to Dak but doesn't exactly make me feel all that great about this offense uh moving forward Bigger concern, lack of a running game, or the fact that they don't really have a number two receiver. Brandon Cooks had one reception for seven yards in this game. C.D. Lamb has broken out significantly over the last mm-hmm. few weeks. Well, I mean, Brandon Cook played well last week. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think, honestly, the lack of running game. And Dak likes yeah. to use the tight end so often that having a two-headed monster at receiver is not necessary. I think Brandon Cook's speed and ability to make big plays is threatening enough to help out that offense. What they really need is another dimension something yeah. else like, which is a they were game. Dak was so comfortable when they had Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks is 158 yards this season and we're in halfway through can we can we look back on trading Amari Cooper for a fifth round pick uh oh. before, before they were going to cut him as not the best use of Dallas Cowboys resources is that officially when we can stamp as bad opinion from the Cowboys now Definitely something we could stamp. Um, I think we didn't give enough attention, at least in my view, to the yeah. to to the Luke Schoonmaker play. Yeah, that was the sure. that changes. So the Dak step out is two points. That makes it so they only need a field goal. That really changes things. The Schoonmaker uh, catch is where he the tight end lands just in front, and they call it they call a touchdown. Then they review it, say just outside, and then we have to do a tush push out of the end zone, and that is a missed opportunity. Those mm-hmm. little, and I think this is speaks to like the the randomness of football that I think Bill likes to point out when we're talking about one score games <laughs> is they fall on they call it a sack fumble early in the in the game they fall on that that changes things uh DeAndre Swift fumbles when he runs into uh to AJ Brown. AJ Brown if they fall on that that changes things if you get one more like a literal inch for Schoonmaker mm-hmm. that changes things. If Dak's foot is one more inch inside of the uh, out of bounds line, that changes things. And that's like why you think leaving this game, I feel like the Cowboys are good enough to beat the Eagles. I didn't feel that way about the 49ers games, but they have not beaten the Eagles with Jalen Hurts. And there's no reason to believe. I can't say no reason to believe. I guess there's no reason to believe that they're going to get those breaks or mm-hmm. clean up the things that they need to clean up in order to not need those breaks. I guess that's what I want to see. When I want to fully believe in a team, I want to see a game where they don't need those breaks to win. And the Cowboys kind of always do. I, and they I got the breaks to the, today. They got a ton they of got the some of the breaks. They got some of the breaks for sure. They got some questionable calls. Uh, the Eagles. Oh, sorry. They also had the play where they scored a touchdown, but it was called back because mm. the sixth offensive lineman supposedly did not report, which seems shocking to me. That's like, you know, kind of what you have to do is like, that's your first job as the yeah. sixth offensive lineman is to go over and tell somebody, Hey, I'm in the game. Um, but lost them a touchdown, obviously not ideal. I want to flip it to the Eagle side of things. Like the record is the record. We talk about them every week. We're not super duper impressed by the Eagles. I mean, two things here. Number one, 
do you have any concerns about them after this game and their ability to close out against great teams or at least playoff caliber teams like the Cowboys? And number two, can you guys imagine what it would be like if you were DeAndre Swift, the game is on the line, all you want to do is not fumble, you get the handoff, and then AJ freaking Brown just smacks you in the side of the head. A, 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 receiver, a receiver that's the size of an edge wrestler. You're, you're looking for yes. number 11, and the other number yes. 11 comes and robs yeah, you. Yeah, that, that yes. stinks. Um, so... I think it's hard to not carry some like respect for this Eagles team after what they sure. did last year. But if we're basing it only off of what we've seen this year, uh, this team does seem to have some issues with closing out the games. However, they also have the D line that I think that's what it comes down to me. I, I think I, I call a lot of and a lot of people call the pass rushers closers because that's who ends the games. I, I feel like Von Miller was kind of the first one of this era that we were like, oh. You bring Von Miller in at the end of the game, he's going to get a sack. We saw Aaron Donald do it in the Super Bowl. We see it every weekend. I feel like Reddick's done it a couple of times this year. And they did it again. Like, even though they mm -hmm. were having a choke off, it felt like at the end of that game, those two sacks, that D-line did it. So they're going to find ways to close games with that D-line, even with both of their starting corners injured through the course, which is a ridiculous series of events. They get their starting quarters hurt on the game-winning drive in pass interference, and then doesn't matter. And roughing the passer. What's that? And roughing the passer. Oh, yeah, and roughing mm -hmm. the passer. That's right. Which, I mean... Well, you know what, though? Not 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 a right call because Hassan Reddick did try to help Dak up after the roughing <laughs> the passer, which that, that. that cancels out. You're okay if you help him up after the play. It's funny how quickly we get trained on these things because mm -hmm. that is an outrageous roughing the passer call yep. any time before the last two or three years. And now we yes. all saw it. And I was like, yes, obviously rushing the passer. It's like he kind of yeah. bumped into him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was not a malicious hit at all. It's outrageous. But uh, player safety, hurrah. So what you're telling me, given that the Eagles lost both their starting cornerbacks on that final drive, yep, is that like just have you. a great pass rush, cornerbacks don't matter. Is what it boils down to. <laughs> you're damn right. I hate to admit it. I'm happy I got paid before everyone figured that out. Um, <laughs> uh, what do you think, though? You asked me the question. I'd like to hear what you think about the Eagles' ability to close out big games. I believe they are still very good in short yardage, but this I offense has hiccups. I, I mean, not exactly the, the craziest opinion, but this offense has hiccups at times. They're inconsistent. They can be sloppy. The offensive line is not as good as it was last year, partly mm -hmm. because of injuries. The defense secondary is not great. Like the linebackers are not great in coverage. The, the guys who are not the outside cornerbacks are not great in coverage. Teams can exploit them. That's going to hurt. But uh, I think really the issue is just, can this defensive line make a play they always seem to find a way to make a play now granted it took the cowboys taking a penalty and being sloppy late in the game and all those mistakes we talked about but it just feels like the defense line eventually comes up with some sort of solution and that goes back to the patriots super bowl where brandon graham finally got a sack of tom brady after tom brady marched up and down the field throughout that game so i feel it feels like if you keep things close the defensive line and the short yarder stuff is going to win the Eagles games. And I, I kind of believe it's still going to. So one of the things I find interesting about this is Galen hurts 10 and 0 against winning teams or uh, uh, against teams with a winning record since 2022, 25 and two in his last 27 starts. The Eagles are eight and one. And all we're talking about is how unimpressive they are. And I agree with you guys, but I would ask you this on the back end of it. We don't believe in the Cowboys more than them. We don't believe in the 49ers more than them. Mm -hmm. Do we believe in the Lions going on the road and beating them in a playoff game? The yeah. Seahawks just got absolutely pants today. So for not believing in them and closing in, in closing out games, such part a, of it's the competition. Such a straw man argument. How we, so? Because you said all we're saying is negativity after we said so many positive things about them. The one thing that we said that was negative was like, yeah, they are not as clean offensively at the end of the game. We believe that they are the best team. In, well, I can't speak for Bill. I believe that they're the best mm -hmm. team in the NFC. And I do believe that they could be better. They found no, no, different no, no. ways. I think, to, well, part of this is the standard. It was They were so impressive last year by being slightly, as as they less, were last year. slightly less impressive as they were last year. We've focused on that more than the right. fact that they're probably better than everyone else in the NFC. 
They lost. Uh, we as a collective, not yeah, you guys yeah, yeah. as football. I mean, they, they lost. Savants. They lost a lot of coaches, and mm -hmm. that I think that is probably the best thing we can do to. No, I'm serious. I think that matters. I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, the defense in in Baltimore is better because they brought in some new coaches, and the defense in Philly is worse because they kind of had a defensive overhaul and coaching staff. Like I think that stuff matters in the age of the. In, in football, more than just about any other sport, I think the coaching matters. I, I don't like giving coaches credit, but I guess I have to. I think that's what we do when we can't exactly explain, pinpoint the one thing that's the problem. It's just like, hey, you know what? Coaches sure do stink. Or the opposite. If you can't yeah. figure out how the Steelers are winning games, just like, oh, yeah. like Tomlin. Tomlin <laughs> magic. <laughs> Tomlin magic. Uh, you know, I, I think, Charlie, you're right, but I, I, I do think that the Eagles, two things can be true, right? Mm -hmm. The Eagles can be worse than they were last year. And I think Eagles fans would tell you they're less confident about this team. They feel, they look, they play less dominant than they did a year ago. But all the other things you said were true. The Niners are worse than they were during the second half of last season. The Cowboys, some weeks they look better. Some weeks they look worse. I think overall they're probably about the same, but they could still be worse than the Eagles. I still think we would pick the Eagles if these two teams played again in a couple weeks. Um the NFC North, I don't know that we're there with the Lions. The NFC South, we can make fun of every team in the NFC South. Like, <laughs> and we do. My like, like, the, the, like the, 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 those two things can both be true at the same time. The real fear for the Eagles is that Jalen Hurts is already injured. Yeah. And yes. I think last year, that really hurt them. At the end of the year, he was dealing with a shoulder issue. Now he has a knee already. And uh, we don't know exactly the extent of the injury, but it was enough for him to limp around at the before halftime. And I don't see like, I mean, I guess it could get better, but normally doesn't get better when you're playing professional football and that catching up to them at some point is a problem. He's a special player. At least he squats 650. <laughs> that's not saving him. Maybe that's he's up. He's he's up from 600 to 650 now. Yeah, we're at it. We add 50 pounds every week. Yep. Oh, damn. <laughs> Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Um, I push going to get extra pushy. Guys, let's pivot to the Germany game. Okay. Which the Dolphins dropped uh, the first half 21 0 and ended up losing 20 14. 21-14. They're 0-3 against teams with a winning record this season. 0-6 going back to last year. In that first half, they got shut out for the first time in the Mike McDaniels era and didn't convert a single third down. I would ask you this coming out of this game. Do you think that they're a fraudulent contender? <sighs> Bill? Didn't they beat the Bills last year? Am I crazy? Oh, no. They're 2-7 and seven against playoff teams all the way through last year. They're 0-6 in their last six against... Against teams with winning records. Oh, so they've lost six in a row, but yeah. they were two and one before that. Yeah. Oh, That's no. Correct. We got to cut it off at the right point, Bill. The most yeah. exciting point to cut it off would Owen be 0 6 in their last six. 0 6 going uh, back to a certain point last year, not all of <laughs> last year. To a totally arbitrary point. Yes, you can't be. The one we, when they had was when the Bills had to come down there in 300 degree weather. And I, I mean, honestly, I don't even know why I would exaggerate kind of part that of Miami. stat. Two and seven was was a good enough stat. I didn't need to exaggerate it to true. 0 and six <laughs> in the last six. Just don't gaslight me, Charlie. It's already it's too late in the season. I'm just imagining Vincent lost his style. <laughs> the point still stands, though. They haven't been good against sure. teams with a winning record. Oh, man. Sure. Bill doesn't okay. want to answer this direct question. Fraud or no fraud, no. Barnwell? They're no fraud. Okay. 
they're not das fraudulent or whatever the word for fraudulent is in the German. I, I thought there was a big positive to take away from this game that we did not see when they lost to the Bills earlier this season, and that was the play of their defense, yeah. which I know we love crapping on the Chiefs and their offense is terrible now. Still the Chiefs and the Bills, the Bills, the Dolphins allowed 14 points to the Chiefs in this game. One of the points, one of the touchdowns was a defensive touchdown where Tyreek Hill uh, basically vomited up the football and the Chiefs lateraled their way to a touchdown. So holding Patrick Mahomes and company to 14 points, pretty good. Travis Kelsey had an extremely quiet game. And we saw the big difference for this defense between right now and what we saw earlier in the season. When the Bills blew out the Dolphins earlier this year, it was Kadir Kohu getting picked on. It was Justin, mm-hmm. Justin Bethel special teamer who plays corner, getting picked on for the Dolphins. Daddy came home. Jalen Ramsey's back in the lineup now for the Dolphins. And it turns out the Dolphins are much better with a Hall of Fame caliber cornerback uh, in the lineup than they were without Jalen Ramsey on the field. And I think you're going to see that defense continue to play better as they face tougher competition from here on out. Yes, cornerbacks matter again. I love it. I love this take because you're showing us the respect we deserve. I've always had faith in cornerbacks. I'm like you, Dominique. <laughs> and Xavier Howard's back in this game. Also, he's not Jalen Ramsey, but I think he's probably uh, uh, better than Kohu. It's a little bit of help to bump Kohu. Sure. And Kohu made a great play, I think, towards the end of this game. You bump him down mm-hmm. the uh, the depth chart a little bit, and you ask a little left, less of him, and I think it shows up. Uh, Chubb running, rushing the passer and Phillips rushing the passer are things that matter. Also, this Fangs Fangio defense is coming around to be something special. Well, it takes some good players. I think maybe no respect to the coach because I can see what's actually happening out there right now. It's not Fangs. It's it's Jalen Ramsey. It's the difference <laughs> of this game. Um, I think as far as being a fraudulent contender, contenders is one one of those great sports words that we use, like yep. most valuable that like it's hard to define. So how do we actually answer this? And could I see them beating any one of the top teams in AFC? Yes. yes. In the playoffs. Could I see them beating three of them in the row? No. Maybe two. So, like, if you think contender is they have a realistic shot of getting to the Super Bowl, I think I find it hard to believe with that offensive line. I know they're going to get back. I mean, Armstead's back, but he's not fully healthy. They're going to get a Chan back at some point, And I don't know how big a difference That's that makes. That's one. You think so? I, I I I think they have to have a good running game. Like I I don't think they can right. be a one-dimensional passing attack. And I think having Mostert's great, um, but they don't have Armstead. They have a banked-up offensive line. And I think HN is a legit difference maker. He is such an incredible like force multiplier when he's in open space. Like he matter. is he is running backs matter. No one's I've never suggested otherwise. <laughs> Let's not even talk about B. John Robinson, guys. We don't oh. even need to get to that in the show. Um but Devon Achan is like a guy who, to me, other teams are terrified by. Mm-hmm. Like even that small sample we saw, he was he was averaging like 12 yards a carry in multiple games. <laughs> like to me, I, I think he's not as important as Tyree Killer, Jalen Waddle, but I think he is a player who makes it so much more difficult to devote your resources to to stopping Hill and stopping Waddle. Yeah. Um, if they're going to <sighs> Also, they're a team that I feel like has potential to get better mm-hmm. more than these other teams because I think they are still relatively new in this process and they're adding uh, players, including Jalen Ramsey. The defense can still continue to get better. They're adding dimensions when people start to when teams start to figure out ways to to um, slow down that offense. And surprisingly, they blitz the the Chiefs did an awesome job blitzing a lot early in this game. And I would think if I was the Dolphins. I would be salivating at the idea of people playing aggressively against uh, Tyreek Hill. And that that final play, it was a fumble snap, but they were in a zero blitz Mm -hmm. with McDuffie pressing Tyreek Hill. That does not sound to me like a recipe for success too often. But if I'm the the Dolphins and people see this tape and like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Please do. Please. I beg of you. Let's talk about the Chiefs side of this. Any concerns about the Chiefs offense, which continued to not look as great without pass catching options? I mean, Mahomes had averaged 3.3 air yards on his completion Sunday uh, with both of his TDs being caught behind the line of scrimmage. Yes. Short answer. Yes, I I do have. 
Uh, I think it, it's it feels like a broken record to talk about this for a lot of different teams, but like every team needs another dimension, I yeah. guess. And it doesn't feel like they have a running attack. It doesn't feel like they have uh, another receiver. It just feels like it's uh, at least last year they added another dimension. If it was throwing the ball out of the backfield, if it was running the ball with Pacheco, it was some other dimension other than Travis Kelsey. And I'm looking for that, and they don't seem to have it. And we, for a long time, even after that Broncos game where Mahomes had his flu game and played poorly, we were like, they'll figure it out. It's fine. This is what happens. But now it's nine weeks in, the trade deadline's passed, and this is sort of you get what you get, and you don't get upset with the Chiefs' offense. Wasn't the Broncos game last week? Yeah. And we wrote last so, week. We were like, oh, this is fine. Last week, it was like, it was fine. Now, now we're giving up after one more game where they won. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. Yep. I mean, I, I mean, I, I still think That's how we do it they have, they have the answer. They just need to commit to it, which is Isaiah Pacheco. Like he's not gone anywhere. He's not bad. Suddenly. Like, I just think they need to run the damn ball in short yardage. Like they had a, they had what a third and one in this game where, they threw the ball where clearly they don't want to sneak. Like if you don't want to sneak, that's fine. But that doesn't mean you have to throw the ball. It doesn't mean you have to run a jet sweep or something horizontal. Like you can still be a vertical offense. They have, I don't want to throw this out there because I tweeted it and I felt dumb tweeting it, but Blaine Gabbert is 12 of 13 in his career on sneaks. Ooh. Like if you don't want to run sneaks with Patrick Mahomes, Get Big Blaine out there. He's not doing anything. He can big let Blaine. Patrick Mahomes take a snap off. <laughs> I mean, they've, like, they've done sneaks with Kelsey, but he's he's no Big Blaine. Uh, wasn't Kelsey a college quarterback at one point? before? He was recruited as a college Probably. quarterback, yeah. 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 Um, Wish him to tie in. Yeah, why not, why, why not bring in someone who you're comfortable using on sneaks, even if it's just to hand the ball off and give teams something else to think about? Like, to, to me, I, I feel like they have solutions. It just takes Andy Reid most of the year to actually commit to using them. And assuming they do and they work as well as they did last year, the Chiefs will be fine. But if they don't, I don't think the Chiefs can win playing the way they played on Sunday. It feels like, and I can't believe this is true unless the Chiefs are different from any other NFL team that I've ever been around or heard about, but it does feel kind of like a basketball team and that they are coasting. But football in week to week, you... It's a full week prepare for each game. The games matter so much. Like you put in so much to each game plan. And it's surprising to me, given the reverence we have for that coach and staff, it's surprising to me that they have not found a viable answer yet, a viable alternative. And for you, Bill, it's like they should run the ball. For me, it's like, I don't know, figure out how to get Katarius Tony in situations where he can make big plays. It just seems like... Nicole Hartman at one point was someone who had big plays in this offense. It seems hard for me to imagine that they can't find some way to manufacture something. Rice has seemed to come on and and show some ability. They can't manufacture between having solid protection, a great quarterback, Travis Kelsey, and some dynamic athletes at receiver. They can't manufacture some other threat or a running game. I need to stop for us for a second because this Chiefs team used to have Tyree Kill. Travis Kelsey in their prime, and now we're calling for Blaine Gabbert to be their short yardage weapon and more Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, yeah. This is a personnel problem. Yeah, I guess it's a personnel problem. But I, I, they also have shifted this thing, and, the, and this is the credit that we give to the, to the Chiefs, is they've shifted. And we saw over the course of the Patriots dynasty, the thing that kept it alive is they found new ways to win every three or four years. The Chiefs are winning now on defense. And that's not Mm -hmm. something that anyone predicted. And that might be the scariest thing is if this team ends up having sustaining a really good defense. Yeah. And Patrick Mahomes at some point, like I think we all assume, right, they're going to figure it out offensively at some point. Maybe we'll check back in on that next week. See, see, yeah. if, they, see if they uh if they they're figure out the, next week. We'll, they figure out that we'll, they need to put in Blaine Gabbert to hand it to Isaiah Pacheco. Jeez, Dom, so obvious. Dominique, Dominique, you you've been married for a long time. You know this. You have to mix things up after a while. It can't just be the same conversation day after day. Oh, conversation. Oh yeah, yeah. Same conversation. I thought you were talking about moves. I had a new move to the repertoire every couple of weeks. <laughs> you watching Jokic just do fadeaways? Oh, yeah, I got to change my game, man. I got to take it inside, take it outside, handle the ball, you know, all types of things. Fade okay, away. Okay, very good. Drive to the lane. Every, uh, what? I, I, don't like, I don't like anything about this. Oh, the, the more you talk, the more uncomfortable oh, I get. Okay. I'm trying to help you out. You're newly married. I'm letting you know. Just tags Thank in Blaine Gabbert for a play. <laughs> yeah, every now and then. <laughs> every now and then, Blaine Gabbert got to run a sneak. 
Seven Blake Blaine. <laughs> Big Blaine time. <laughs> Definitely not not Nick Foles. That'd be too much of a problem. <laughs> Get us the hell out All of right. here, Charlie. All right, and now. <laughs> And now oh. it's time for our good hand oh, segment. No. Yes. Good hand moment Throw presented by Allstate. Up. My bad. I, I, I yelled over it. I feel like you got to read it again. Okay. And now <laughs> it's time for the good hands moments presented by Allstate. Guys, CJ Stroud was incredible today. He went off versus Tampa for 475 touchdowns, along with taking the Texans down the field in 46 seconds to win the game and throwing lasers everywhere. And I want to ask you guys, is this one of the best rookie seasons you've ever seen from a quarterback? Was that a real question? Well, no, it is. Well, I should say, I really want to get Hell into Hell yeah, it, it is. This but is I really want to get into answer. this is your, this is a, 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 a Dominique Foxworth show, Tenant. Yes. That situation defines a quarterback's success more often than not. With very few exceptions, guys like Joe Burrow in their rookie year who came in and were able to turn a program around pretty quickly. But CJ Stroud, if you were to say before the season that this was a great situation for him. I don't think we all would have thought that. I definitely did not think that. So in weighing that, how do you view so, what's going on? First of all, I need to defend all Dominique Foxworth tenants is none of them are wrong. All you have to do is find the tenant that fits. And the tenant that fits here is absolutes are for children and mm-hmm. dumb people. So the absolute that all quarterbacks must be in a good situation to succeed. Said most. Obviously. Yeah. No. Most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in this case, he is great. Like, there's no other explanation for it. Like, we've watched these games to try to figure out how he's doing this, and he's doing it in every way. And the things that we expect from quarterbacks to develop later in their careers, because we like we have, we see quarterbacks who have a good rookie year, have a good second year, and then we're like, oh, but can he put the team on his back? Can he come back from down a lot? Can he make so plays with his about. legs? He does that's all that already. I was looking for. Yeah, there it is. There it is. He does all that already and that man is special uh and i think what they're doing out there i guess young bobby slug his dad coached me young bobby slug mm. his dad's name was also bob i didn't call him bobby though bob Slowick. Uh, he was a defensive coach bob. yeah big bob he wasn't that big though um but i would like to give him some credit and he's probably gonna get a head coaching job uh, job off the strength of cj stroud balling and he's good he's not bad but the stuff that cj stroud is doing is just freaking special he's good great um, beat me to the punch oh, i was sorry. gonna give you i was gonna give you a stat that was gonna make you mad oh stat me down stat me down number I love one angry stat who who in the nfl which quarterback throws for the highest percentage of first downs per pass attempt who's number one um uh you got to figure out where this this set, setting you down is going to make you angry um the highest percentage of first down josh allen Brock Purdy. Ooh. Brock Purdy. I was guess, guess who's Tua. number two? Guess who's number two? Tua. Charlie. It's Tua. Tua Tungo Vailoa. What is Brock? Oh, who's Brock Purdy's coach? Uh, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan. Yeah. Who's who's Tua Tungo Vailoa's coach? A Shanahan. Oh, yeah. Shanahan disciple and McDaniel. A Shanahan disciple, Mike yeah. McDaniel. Guess who number three is? A Shanahan disciple. CJ Stroud. Yeah. Coached by former sh- 49ers offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick. Now, I think C.J. Stroud is playing beyond what this offense is designed up for him. I don't think he is a creation of this offense in the way that some people might argue that Brock Purdy is a creation of this offense. But given our expectations coming into the year, given the fact that the personnel on paper does not scare anybody, given the fact that they have no running game, the offensive line has been banged up, that he was balling today throwing to Tank Dell a 5'10 player who was going to be a gadget guy for some teams. And was it Noah Brown, like the fifth receiver for the Cowboys over the past couple of years, had 165 and two touchdowns in this game, I believe, or a touchdown? Like, number one, um, CJ Stroud's awesome. Number two, Bobby Slowick is doing a great job and is going to get a head coaching job based on how well this offense has looked so far this year. And they all deserve it. That's the thing is when you play well, everybody gets paid. Everyone gets some love. It doesn't matter who gets all the credit on the field, but everyone wants a piece of that success. They are now 500, so we're acting like they're leading the division but uh, or leading the conference. But given their expectations, I think they've had probably the most impressive uh, season so far of just about anybody in football. We expected the Eagles to be as good as they are. We expected all these other teams to be good. And they've been 
great. The thing I would say in defense of the Purdy comparison, because you weren't making the comparison, but you were kind of suggesting it, that there is some Shanahan love. The things, this is the, Purdy's the perfect example of what I was saying. Quarterbacks have a good rookie season. And then we're like, all right, that's a good rookie season. But then we ask them to do something else, to show us that they can put more, uh, mm-hmm. more, more responsibility. The thing is, CJ Stroud's doing it already. And he's doing it without the supporting staff or the supporting cast that we have come. And maybe we'll find out that all these guys are all much better than we thought that they were. And they're really helping him out. But no, that's still the throws that he's making. We see mm-hmm. what happened to Brock Purdy when he's in throw-only situations against good defenses. He struggles. C.J. Stroud threw for 470 and five touchdowns when they had to come back from down a couple different times, and the defense mm-hmm. wasn't giving him the support that he needs. And this isn't the first time he's put up video game numbers. The man's mm-hmm. really, really advanced for where he is in his career. I, I think the question. coaching matters. I got a question for you guys. You're drafting franchise quarterbacks oh, for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go through some of the top-of-the-league quarterbacks, and you tell me okay. when to stop where you would take C.J. Stroud over them for the next decade. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Lamar, Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence. Stop. I'm giving a, I'm, yeah. Ah. Are we including contracts? Because I'll put them in front of some more people just yeah. to get these next four seasons. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think what he's done so far is, is special and the ceiling is really high. If we are, I know, um, progress isn't linear, but if we are to expect that he's going to get better at all and like, I, I like him more. Like, he was running the option today, not as the pitch man. <laughs> he was, was running, amazing. he was running he was the, the option and the option. Yeah. He was the back in the option. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the, the. Where he starts gives me a lot of confidence, and their window is open now until, I mean, at least their first window is open now to win a championship for they can build around him. Absolutely. When you get a quarterback like this on a rookie deal, this is when you go all in. And again, like they they have every right. They don't have a first-round pick because they traded it for Will Anderson, but they have every right to go out next year. And try to trade for Devontae Adams. Try and trade right. for Brandon Ayuk. Try and trade for a guy who on paper is a number one receiver to make Nico Collins, who looks very good a number two to make tank Dell, who looks very good a number three. Like they have plenty of cap space. They have without their first round pick, at least a decent amount of draft capital. They have a lot to work with to build around CJ Stroud over the next few years. So like if, if like Dominique said, if he improves at all, which I think he will over the next few years. And given that this is probably the worst team they're going to have around him, over the next couple of years, like he's not going to have five touchdowns, zero pick, 470 yard games every single week. But knowing that he has this in his locker is like just raises the ceiling so incredibly high for what they can do. How do the Panthers feel today? Because on the other side. Of, oh, they hate everything. Of, yes. Well, especially because sure, sure. today no, no, was no. the Matt Schaub day for for Bryce Young with the double pick six no, no, no. and the third INT. That out anymore. No, no, they, they, they saw they saw Caleb Williams cry. After the game, so they know we're good. We don't want Caleb Williams. Bryce Young isn't going to cry. That's going to ruin his draft status, apparently. I'm done being your fullback, Bill, because you get to come in after I make the declarative hot take, and then you don't actually take a position. This is the second time that you didn't actually take a position. Where do you stop? Where's the the quarterback? You didn't answer the question. Charlie was supposed to keep listing names. Dominique has him seven, I believe, if I did the math in my head correctly. I have him eight. I don't think... Either of those are insulting because I don't think anybody would have had C.J. Stroud seven or eight before this season started. That tells you how much, how how big the strides he's made have been over the past few months. Great question. It feels very, um, yeah, very much like a a trade value column from your your man. Mm. I, I do like the idea though of factoring in all this other stuff when we're evaluating how valuable he is because I think his value to the team is huge and they. Before the season started, I wouldn't have said, hey, Houston Texans, H-Town, your championship window is open. But at week nine, for the next four years, five years maybe, and longer than that, because they, they'll re-sign them to an extension and they'll backload all the money. And, I mean, for the next six or seven years is when they should be making a run at the championship. I got a question for Eight. you, Dominique. Yeah. 
Dare Ogunbowale. Oh, I love Ooh. this. Kicks a field goal, a 29-yard field goal in this game. Has to take kickoff duties because Kyrie Fairbairn is hurt. He is the Backup emergency running back. kicker. Backup running back, third down back for the Texans. Ends up playing a big role in this game. Helps them win this game. Did you have a secret skill? Was there something that was there an emergency element oh, yeah. of, of an NFL roster that you could have pulled off that you would have served in? I don't know if, how, if it would have helped our team win, but we already discussed the secret skill. I've been married for 13 years. We pointed out. Okay. No, no is the answer to my question. Charlie, <laughs> is there... No, I, okay, all right, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. I'll give it to you. The um, I was 175 pounds for much of my career, but I also sure. like it's it's small for a football player. Um, but I also was able to play uh, nickelback and safety. So there was a series of games in the uh my second year for the Broncos where I started at safety. So I guess playing that doesn't seem special, huh? Because it's like a DB going to DB. Nah. All right. Yeah. No special but skills. It's much less fun than no. kicking a field goal. Yeah. I What's mean, the farthest field goal yeah. you think you could hit? Um, in a game? No, no. Like if uh, we went out to a field now, no pass rush or so, no rush. I don't know. I could probably hit one from the ten or the fifteen, maybe twenty. That's like a that's like a thirty-seven yard field goal. All right. Let's go Number find 20. out. I ain't scared. I just you, you think I'm a I'm a get nervous Can out I, there. I'm a how, how how much do I get to put down on you on you making this field goal or missing this field goal? <laughs> Whatever you want. I'm taking all comers. Bill, I love that his secret skill was basically being like, I'm a point guard that can also play shooting guard. <laughs> <laughs> this is clear that you don't know ball because a safety and a cornerback's jobs are entirely different. But anyway, I, that's I gave fine. you, there's such an easy, you could just say holder and you we'd be out of this conversation. That's not already. a skill. Holding is not a skill. Of course it is. No, Tell that to not. Tony Romo. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's you not a skill. Uh, yeah, that's right. You can point out the real, one time real when the football hold, guy when the hold costs somebody the game. You can point it out because it's not a skill. It's easy. Cornerback hands. Not that easy. Uh, you, know, you know who wouldn't appreciate this? The people who respect hands and using them correctly. <laughs> the fine people at all. State. You're right. I take it back. Hold, I mean, those would be some good holds from the all state hands. Mm. I'd make a sixty yard if we got the all state hands to be my holder. <laughs> I think we what should. We'll, we we'll do a social clip on this. All right. I think we can both make make thirty five yard field goals. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Both of I, us. Yeah. Can I? Can I, I? I would love to bet against this. I will bet any right. amount of money. Cool. Let's do it. And you guys are both not both going. Now is it one shot each? Do you get oh, like unlimited whoa, whoa, tries? Whoa, 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 whoa! You had such confidence. I should get unlimited shots. I mean, yeah, kick all day. You'll probably get one by accident. But no, I kick all day from from fifty five. I'll never get one by accident. If I can kick it, I can kick it. Let's do it. Put some. Put your money up. I get uh, ten then, shots. Then you can do it in one. I'll give you three shots from 35. All right, let's do it. Right. You still owe me. You lost a bet to me where you were going to buy me a pair of big baller brand shoes, and you never paid up. So I want to get this. They're coming out with new models. I, 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 oh, I wanna, they're I coming out with new big baller oh, brand shoes. I don't remember it's already this bet. Retro. And I feel it's like, already retro. I feel like if the reward was you get big baller brand, you did not win that bet. <laughs> because of- Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. 
Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. I bet that you lost. Okay, uh, last topic. Let's pivot, pivot to the last game. All right. Um, okay. The Ravens annihilated the Seahawks. And this was supposed to be a really good game today. The Ravens' defense stifled the Seahawks. The Ravens' running game, they ran for 298 yards. Are you starting to maybe, just maybe, think this is the best team in the NFL? Ooh, drama. That was dramatic reading. Um, well, yeah, you got really got better at this and showing off, Charlie. Where was like this 20 it. minutes ago when we needed it? Um, yeah, I think they are. Uh, the games that they lost were games that they should have won, which makes me feel like uh, I should not have as much confidence in them that I do right now. But the last several weeks, they found different ways to win, which I think is important. And their defense has played well enough, long enough that we can no longer pretend like it's a fluke. They're one of the best defense or the best defense in football statistically right now. If that holds up, I don't know, but they will be at least top five by the end of the year, which is enough with, um, with, what they've been able to do offensively and how Lamar is playing. And Lamar didn't even play that well today. I mean, he wasn't bad, but it feels like most of their games is like their defense plays well and then Lamar is amazing. Today, Lamar wasn't amazing, and they still dominated a legitimate contender on the NFC side. I think the Browns fans watching the Dominique Foxworth show where they allowed like 50 yards all game to Arizona might feel like you're maybe selling them a little bit short in the best defense conversation, but... Ravens are legit, no question. To me, they're not the second best defense in football with the Chiefs at number three. And I think what's really shocking, I know Ben Solak tweeted about this from the ringer, like there's so many guys on this defense who are either young players who have taken a big step forward, like Justin Matabike, who's been awesome this year, or veterans who suddenly look like they're stars, um, you know, who were either out of football, like Kyle Van Noy, or uh, guys who were bouncing around the league who were playing well. It feels like like this defense is just getting the most out of everybody on their roster. But, Charlie, who do the Ravens play next? They play the best defense in football, the Browns, next week. Oh, you couldn't see Lamar, like, fumbling twice while he's scrambling in that game? Maybe a tip pick and... The Browns pull that one out, Dominique? I absolutely could see that happening. And then we will have to revisit this conversation. But they every week we had one team that we thought was the best, and then they lost. The Ravens, we've been having this conversation about them for three weeks now. And the wins True. seemingly get more and more impressive. Like, I guess the win against the Cardinals last week wasn't all that impressive, but they beat the Cards. Before that, we were like, hey, the Lions, they're a real contender. The Ravens ran them up out of uh, M&T Bank. And then we bring the Seahawks in. And I think this is a legitimate, the first like real top tier test for their defense because they have weapons. They run the ball. They have receivers and ran them out uh, M&T once again. So I have a little bit more faith in them. I I'm more worried about them against bad teams because that seems to be <laughs> the teams that they lose to is the, the Steelers and uh, the Colts. Can't believe you would say Mike Tomlin's team is bad. Just disrespectful to the best coach in football. Okay, that's why. That's why he's the best coach in football because the team ain't good and they somehow managed to win. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? I mean, maybe bad's a little bit harsh, but they ain't good. Do you do you feel differently about this Ravens team than you have the teams from years past? Like, do you feel like they're significantly better on defense than they've been in years past? It looks like it. Yeah, I mean, last year their I, defense. I don't, took I don't a, disagree. Yeah, I, I, yeah. It, look, it took a while for the defense to come around last year with the new coordinator who's still there now. Um, prior to that, it was a lot of Wink Martindale, which was uh, boomer bust, aggressive blitz stuff on defense. And I do think that the offense has developed. I don't know if it's as much uh, Lamar's development and the offense's development, but they do have weapons, which matters. Like uh, o Odell had a pretty good day today. Uh, Zay Flowers is someone that you have to respect, and Rashard Bateman is like an afterthought now, but he's still incredibly dangerous. And obviously Mark Andrews is still the weapon, and they ran the ball like the old Ravens today, which is something that's another tool uh, club that they have in the bag for you golfing people. I don't you golf. Could tell, so you could tell Dominique Foxworth, another Dominique Foxworth show adage, list the guys who can beat you deep. You listed... Rashad Bateman as a weapon ahead of 
Mark Andrews, who's oh, yeah. like, oh yeah, 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 you you know how I feel about that. Eight <laughs> eight million times the player and weapon that uh, Rashad oh. Bateman is. I'll tell you what, someone I liked in this game, Keaton Mitchell, mm-hmm. Keaton Mitchell it's at good. running back for it's the Ravens. Good. He was fast. He was legit fast. That is a that feels like the kind of player where like week sixteen he's winning you a fantasy league, and you got to see a little glimpse of him today. If he could just stay healthy, I think he adds something to their running game. I want to know how you feel about this Ravens team. You feel that they are the cream of the league at this point? I think the defense is second best defense in football. And I think their offense is much better than the Browns offense, even though the Browns offense had a good game today. So to me, I think they have a strong case. I just don't have a lot of faith that the offense is consistently good from drive to driver week to week. I think they're still sloppy. And, you know, I, I think the ceiling is higher than it's been in any year, I think, since Lamar won MVP. But I still don't trust that I'm going to get a great offensive performance from week to week. Like, I just think they make too many mistakes. Maybe having a better running game will help. Maybe having steady offensive linemen will help. But I, I just think they are a team prone to making mistakes on offense. Yep. And, uh, their track record would suggest that you're right. As we pointed out, they made those mistakes in those games against the teams like the Steelers when no one could catch or the Colts when uh, Lamar was giving it away. Yeah, Um, I don't know. The tough thing with any of these conversations this season is it feels like no one is running away with it. So like when you say that, I can't disagree with you. But then I look at the Chiefs and I'm like, yeah, them too. And I look at the I look at the the um, Bills and like them too. I guess the Bengals are the one team that we can't really say that about because they just got their quarterback healthy and uh maybe them too we're been, recording this before they ended that game so we'll see okay okay here's got what we're gonna do now let's leave the week to week conversation aside till next week charlie no no we'll, we'll keep doing it but charlie and dominique i want you to tell me who we will think the best team in football is at the end of the regular season I think we're going to think it's probably the Chiefs. <laughs> I think we're going to think it's the Eagles. Oh, I disagree because of the schedule. Best team in football, yeah. Well, I think I'm going to think it's the Eagles. I think we are going to think it is the Baltimore Ravens. Even mm. though I argued a little bit against it, I think we will think the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in football at the end of the regular season. Watch Lamar get hurt literally in the first quarter next week after I say that, though. <laughs> please don't. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't, don't ruin my season. Don't. Be so much fun. No injury jinx. Yeah. Um, but let's, let, let's keep that in mind. We'll run that back after week 18. Like this. Good thing for uh, me and Dominique is Chiefs and Eagles are on by next week. So we get one extra week <laughs> where we can. Good for us. We get to survive one more week. All right, it's an awesome week of football. Is there anything else you want to hit? I know you at one point you wanted to make fun of coaches, but did we do enough? Uh, yeah, we did enough. We'll make fun of uh, Arthur. Uh, I mean, all right, f- it. let's make fun of Arthur Smith. <laughs> Bill, why does he get? Why does he get the ball to good players? Why does he go? Why does he talk about like toxic groupthink? And then he benches Desmond Ritter. He doesn't give the ball to Bijan Robinson. Then the front office dra- drafts Drake London so high and Kyle Pitts so high he doesn't throw them the ball. Like you want about toxic groupthink or toxic thinking? It's, this can't work for that long. Here's the thing. Dominique, you know this. Like, like the conversations we have about football in the public are not as thoughtful, not as nuanced, not as informed as what goes on behind closed doors. Like, we don't know what, what the exact play call is. We don't know adjustments are being made. We don't know, you know, what checks each team has in each given play. There is a complexity to football that is not apparent publicly and there are times where like i'll say something i may be a little bit out of pocket about something about a play or a team and i'll hear from somebody in that organization they'll say hey listen like actually this person did the right thing and i'll say oh and i'll quietly delete the tweet and never talk about it again (laughs) but if you're arthur smith and you're going to come out and be like listen guys you don't understand we know best we're watching the film you don't get it and you say desmond raiders a great quarterback okay you have every right to say that that's fine, but you can't bench him the next week and then tr- try to quietly delete the tweet the way I do. You got to be better <laughs> at that than me. Yeah, it's a bad move. You, I... you, you can't come out and say, oh, Bijan Robinson's going to be our dude. You don't get it. He's a difference maker. He's not just a running back. 
and then have a goal to go sequence in the second quarter where you don't want to play Bijan, where you're running a jet sweep with Jonu Smith. The hardest, you can't do that. The hardest thing about the way that they're using or not using these players is all of these players show us that they got it. You yes. know, like we've seen Bijan do it. We've seen Drake London do it. Like we've seen impressive stretches from all of these guys and it gets us excited and they don't use them. And you know, I think this is a lesson you talked about him saying toxic group thing. Toxic group thing is actually a thing. It's something to be concerned about. But wisdom of the crowd is also a thing. And it's like, it's just about how you choose to market it. I think sometimes the crowd knows and the crowd knows they good. Give them the ball. Not that hard. Well, there also has to be organizational friction. Like the front office drafts these guys in the top 10 to play them. And then they don't get the ball and they lose to the Vikings when Josh Dobbs has been on the team for three days. Man, what a Josh And Dobbs. Justin Jefferson doesn't play. How many people do you think Josh Dobbs, Josh Dobbs can name on that team? Like, of the 53-man roster, we'll include uh, maybe, I don't know, 12 coaches or something. <laughs> How many people do you think he can name? He's just the same numbers. <laughs> not, not only numbers, but this is the second team this year where he's had to play with people whose names and numbers he didn't know. He was saying that about Arizona in week one. He did it last year with the, with the Titans. The I Tennessee. Feel like, yeah, I feel like he has like like three Disney movies like wrapped up with the ending that no one believes. It's like this super nerdy college kid managed to end up on this team out of nowhere, and he had to start, and he won the game. Dad, talk about a special skill. What a sick special skill for Josh Dobbs, being able to play in any offense in three days notice and it's a genius it just, you just hand the him astronaut. a yeah you hand him a playbook and he just digests it he's out there calling plays and you're right he doesn't know anybody's name he's like hey run out two two that's it yeah. just numbers <laughs> oh well this man speed speed running the nfl on extra hard difficulty and pulling off victories in games they have no right to be winning this was a vikings team without uh, Justin Jefferson without Christian Darris on their best left tackle playing the Falcons at home and they still managed to pull out the W Joshua Dobbs should be playing in the NFL until he's 55 he didn't years even, old I he mean he I assume he didn't even get any practice snaps this week because he wasn't no. slated to even be the starter like at least in Tennessee they brought him in as like hey you're gonna start Arizona hey you're gonna start they're like hey come on chill out for a little week we need a backup because yes. Kirk got hurt oh backups hurt get your in there and lead us on a game-winning drive. Sure, why not? I'll do it. Josh Dobbs is an American hero. It's incredible. All right. Any other coach you want to make fun of? McDaniels? Yeah. Uh, do you want to make fun of Josh McDaniels? Because there was the report of yeah. the, the team meeting where they all yelled at him. And then today, this is like the loosest Raiders team ever. They're, they're they smoking won. victory cigars. Did, Antonio Pierce see? seems like the coolest dude of all time. <laughs> Did you see the clip of Devontae Adams playing basketball in the locker room? Yeah, mm -hmm. I did. Great this was cover. a man with, like, the weight of the world off of his shoulders. He didn't even have, like, he had, like, 35 yards in this game. He didn't even care. He was just, like, so happy to be free of Josh McDaniels. I don't know Josh McDaniels, he? Uh, but he seems he comes off kind of smug, which is probably well, not sure. fair to him because maybe he's not. But kinda. it feels, like, kind of nice to see this happen. Is that wrong of me? I, I don't. I, I mean, he's getting paid six years contract. He'll be fine. Not money, concerned about him. Money, 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 money. Oh, God, you hit a nerve here. You yeah, can't, you, here this hurts Dominic's feelings. You say you can't feel bad for him because he's yeah. still getting a salary. I mean, the money's not going to make oh, him feel bad. Oh, thanks. So, are, you're so empathetic, Dominique. It's not even. I'm, all right, I'm, so here we go. No, I, I, he, I, was saying, he was saying he didn't feel bad for you. saying he was happy to see him yeah. get fired. Yeah, he yeah, can, he but, can't play both sides of this coin. Now he's a contrarian without a cause because he said he's still getting paid. I'm going opposite. Either you jerks, you should feel sorry for him. No, you shouldn't feel sorry for him. The one thing about him, why you shouldn't feel sorry for him because he has had he has to have the most or maybe this is why you should feel sorry for him he's had the most embarrassing head coaching career of just about that's anybody. what i was gonna ask oh my is gosh he, like what's the, what's the headline of, of all all of the foolish that's happened in his head coaching career which one of the things are you gonna headline it with i mean is it turning down the colts job Accepting them not, turning it down. No, not not turning it down. Accepting it and then reneging on it. <laughs> Drafting Tim Tebow in the first that's round. That's the one. That's it. Uh, 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 trading away Jay Cutler. Uh, getting into a fight with Jay Cutler and trading him away so you could draft Tim Tebow in the first round. 
trading up in the second round so you could take Alfonso Smith and then you the, the pick you trade away becomes Earl freaking Thomas for the Seahawks. Um getting like being a terrible OC with the Rams. Like there's just Don't forget losing to our of, guy Jeff. Yeah, that's the one. Lo- losing to Jeff, it hurts. Yeah, that's the one. Um, Jeff Saturday came off of the get up desk and beat him on a that whoop that on a prime time game. I think that's the most embarrassing one. Sorry, Jeff, but you ain't supposed to be able to do that. That might be it. Now, (laughs) outside of Urban Meyer, outside of Bobby Petrino, is he the worst head coach of the last 20 years in terms of getting hired multiple times, setting his franchises backwards, just getting decision after decision wrong? Like, like how? Where does he stand? I can't think think of anybody much worse. Hugh Jackson comes to mind as as struggling at two different organizations, but and he went was Hugh Jackson the coach of the 0 and 16 Browns team? Yes. Yeah, oh, he sure was. That's a that's a tough that's a tough one. I don't know anybody else that but, uh, but one in fifteen. Hugh Jackson, Hugh Jackson was was coaching a team that was actively tanking. That's fair. Like like I I, I don't that's think fair. if you put Mike Tomlin actually no, Mike Tomlin wins nine games with that team. <laughs> if you put like like who who's the most average? No, not, not oh, even Kasha, who's the yeah who's the most average coach in the NFL right now? Like, who's I was the gonna say Jeff Fisher, the, Je- the modern Jeff day Jeff Fisher. Yeah. Let's go with that. Like Jeff, Jeff Fisher. Fisher wins four, five games with that those teams probably. That's tough. Like Josh McDaniels has dudes. Like Jimmy Garoppolo was winning games with San Francisco. Devontae Adams was a superstar. They signed guys like Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and didn't use them. Chandler Jones like disappeared once he joined this team. Max Crosby. Uh, Max Crosby is a superstar that they don't get anything out of because they have so little around him. Like that that's the part that I think frustrates me is that he has dudes and then they play better the moment either before he gets there or the moment after he leaves. It's like a totally different team with Antonio Pierce as the head coach. I never forget. Uh, it was some podcast that DJ Williams was doing and he talked about how when Josh McDaniels, got to uh, the Broncos that DJ believed that the Patriots were doing some spying stuff because when Josh got there, Josh told them exactly what to expect for a series of games. (laughs) And then I guess the the spying ring fell apart because DJ was like, no, we knew exactly what was going on. And then just stop getting those, (laughs) stop getting those tips anymore. And then they stopped winning. Hmm. Oh, well, that's a fun place. He's, he's probably because again, like, like he said, three different franchises back <laughs> yeah. that, that's what makes it so hard is that like if you do one bad job it's one thing like going over three in such dramatic fashion one of the crazy things is his competition for this worst modern coach it's like joe judge matt patricia all the all the bums that Don, yeah. tom brady deodorized <laughs> pretty bad it's pretty bad it's thanks thanks a lot patriots for spreading this funk around our league get it out of here all right, I'm done talking about them and anything because we're done talking about everything because we did everything. Thanks a lot, Bill Barnwell. Thank you, Charlie Kravis, of course. Thank the good people at Allstate. Thank Podville. Throw your hands up. Thanks to all of our great producers, Serafina, Megan, Kevin, Brian. And again, this has been the Dominique Foxworth Show presented by Allstate, and we out. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.